Hey guys, thanks for joining me on a, a conference call to talk about what kinds of threats we've seen in the cybersecurity space uh, evolve as the uh, COVID and shutdown in place has evolved. Derek, I'd be good to get uh, kind of your thoughts on uh, what you're seeing uh, there in FortiGuard Labs, kind of what the threat's been doing. And then Courtney, I thought given the, you know, in your CISO role, you're having a lot of conversations with customers, you can kind of share what you're seeing customers talk about uh, as they've dealt with uh, the COVID threats. But let's, Derek, let's start with you. Um, what, how have you seen this whole threat evolve uh, over the time that we've been sheltering in place and we've seen, you know, uh, COVID cyber attacks, uh, you know, start and what are we seeing now? Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on here, uh, Peter. Again, it's great to speak with you and good to see you again, Courtney. Um, you know, evolve, I think, is the key word here. Uh, it really has been an evolution that's been following a similar curve and landscape in terms of, you know, world news, uh, events that are associated with COVID. Uh, we always see similar parallels in the threat landscape. And, uh, you know, one of the differences here that, that we've been observing FortiGuard Labs, you know, we have over 6 million sensors deployed worldwide. So we get to follow telemetry and, and we're also following attack campaigns that are related to COVID. And if we, if we look at COVID, uh, the attack tank campaigns are primarily targeting people with either information stealers, uh, Trojans, ransomware. But the key difference is the effectiveness of these social engineering lures, first of all. And the second part is that the attack surface is just much larger. When I say attack surface, it's because this is a global pandemic. This isn't an isolated incident in one region that attackers might go after. Uh, this is a global audience. That means more victims. Uh, that means more cyber criminals that are coming to the table with it too. So what kind of numbers are you seeing? Yeah, so I mean, if we look, uh, you know, the, the largest spike and rise that we saw, uh, Peter was back in March. Uh, so the first, second week of March, uh, we started tracking anything related to COVID campaigns. We saw things that were targeting, you know, uh, layoff notices uh, that were starting to target um, uh, employees from HR. We saw things like, um, uh, you know, uh, health authority impersonations. We saw personal protective equipment sales. All these sorts of things that were related to, you know, invoices, things like that. They're mostly re related to malicious attachments. In March, it was the highest, um, it was the peak, the highest wave that we saw. We're, we were seeing over 600 campaigns in just one day on average. These are 600 different campaigns. So this isn't just, you know, one or two different flavors. And, and again, the reason that we saw such a rise was that, um, you know, obviously it was brand new and hot at the time. And um, cyber criminals are quick to jump on this globally. And we're seeing campaigns in different languages as well. So regionalized languages across the world. And that just really shows the breadth and depth of this in terms of attack surface. And that's, that is one of the you know, primary main differences that we saw compared to um, you know, other attack campaigns that we've seen in the past. As you mentioned, it is global. How has that number uh, changed over time? Is it getting better? Has it gotten worse? Uh, so a couple, it, it, it depends how, how you slice it and look at it. You know, the good news is that as a collaborative success model between the industry, we got on this early with FortiGuard Labs. Uh, we've been adding, you know, constant protections uh, for all the, you know, the, the attack techniques and tools, social engineering lures. We've been doing education campaigns, putting that into our security fabric as an example. That makes it uh, more difficult for them to um, su have success and execute on these campaigns. We've also been working with partners like Cyber Threat Alliance, uh, like uh, Interpol as well. And I, that whole global effort has actually been reducing um, the spread of cybercrime. I'm not saying that it's not real or a threat, it certainly is. But if we look over the, the months, 
uh, we went down to uh, that mean average from about 600, Peter, to around uh, 240 in April, around 120 different campaigns on average daily that we're seeing in May. And now we're sitting about that uh, 75 to 80 mark. So we've seen a steady decline in COVID-19 related, um, you know, uh, social engineering lures. But now we're starting to see other things take the place, right? So uh, there's obviously in, in different regions, different climates, different things are happening. We're seeing, you know, we went from layoff notice scams before to uh, job hire scams now. Uh, we're seeing things that are related to new phase uh, reopenings, like phase three openings, as an example. So it's a very fluid environment and it's constantly shifting. Wow, I'm glad to hear that we're making progress, but uh, I guess we always need to stay vigilant on uh, the way that the criminals are changing their tactics and, and using different lures. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, th this is why we're on this on a daily basis. Of course, we're providing uh, regular updates um, so on social, on blogs that we're doing. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, if you look at cybercrime, um, the actual core mechanics of an attack lifecycle doesn't change, right? It's all about trying to lure a victim in, to penetrate their system, compromise data, and then uh, in the world of cybercrime, uh, profit from that. Um, it's just the difference here is that instead of these attack campaigns lasting one or two weeks, this has been going on for months now uh, because it, you know COVID's dominated world headlines, and we I, I don't see any um, any any stop to this anytime soon. So I expect a lot of new uh, you know tricks, um, social engineering lures, um, new attack campaigns that are going to be coming out. Uh, from from the cyber criminals as well. So it's something that we have to stay on top of every day. You know, the other thing quickly I'll, I'll just add is that uh, we also monitor things like legitimate traffic. Uh, RDP, remote desktop protocol usage, has, has uh, spiked over the last couple of months because of open ports now, listening to RDP, uh, which obviously causes security concerns. You know, this is a protocol that's attacked on a regular basis. And um, that's all part of the, the other part, you know, the infrastructure piece of this, the the telework for us and, and uh, you know, work, work from home. Um, yeah, with everybody moving and teleworking and, you know, working remotely, I imagine the help desks are using a lot of RDP to help support those users. But as you say, that's an extremely dangerous and open protocol and uh, ripe for uh, hacking and, and uh, uh, attacks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, healthcare is one of the primary targets that we've seen with this, of course. Um, hospitals, uh, you know, have been hit with ransomware as an example, but it's not just exclusive to healthcare. I mean, we've seen this across all verticals, and that's that's the other thing I was talking about with the attack surface too. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of customers, Courtney, what have you been uh, hearing with your customers? I know that you're out talking with all kinds of folks. Uh, you know, you're based in Oklahoma, but you're you know talking with folks all across the U.S. and you know, I should say all across North America. Yeah, yeah, customers and partners alike. And I think a, a lot of what I'm hearing is, you know, not necessarily a technology focus um, or, or the what, but it's more of it's more of the how. It's it's more of the, you know, how much really as well. So how can I make, you know, the best use of my existing investments? How can I add in future resiliency? Um, how could I have done something different to steal myself during, uh, you know, during the COVID-19 pandemic? Um, and, and it's really been a lot more of businesses trying to do more with less and ensuring that they're not wasting cycles on inefficiency. Um, and, and that inefficiency can manifest itself in multiple ways from, you know, the left hand not knowing what the right is doing and the left hand in this instance being security and the right hand being being networking. Um, and so they have to make sure that they have um, tight integrations between those two departments now uh, more than ever. 
And so they're looking at ways to integrate network and security functions. And that's that's not just to save time, um, but it's also to save money and uh, reduce tax on internal staff that was already struggling to keep up with the status quo. You know, you have this in all, all the industries. I'm, I'm focused on retail, but I, you know, I work with customers across multiple different industries. And so you have this explosion of technology um, that had to be deployed overnight. Um, and now it has to be managed appropriately. And as we all know, um, cyber skills gap and, and the staffing is something that um, it's not getting better. And that's one of the areas that has been definitely cut as uh, businesses look to shore up OPEX spend. Um, you know, digital transformation and cybersecurity may not have been cut as much as some of the other departments, but the people aren't there to run them. Um, and the automation and training is not there to support that technology. So um, that, that's why automation right now um, and uh, integration of different technologies is really kind of the, the order of the day. And it, and it comes full circle when you talk about cost, um, because, you know, we can't forget that, you know, this pandemic has affected a, a lot of different industries in a lot of different ways. But, you know, a lot of the industries that I work with are, are, are determining how do they keep their doors open? Uh, they're, they're looking at, you know, we're deferring rent to deferring lease payments. And so the last thing that they need is um, their technology to cause additional problems instead of solving the ones that they, you know, put them in place for in the first place. So, you know, there's multiple areas that um, I hear about, but two of the main areas that I, I probably hear the, the most about of, of how do I fix this or what technologies do I put in place to solve these problems is goes back to that first one of integrating security with networking and, and what we would coin as security driven networking. So it's this concept of, uh, you know, network infrastructure needs not only to integrate well um, with your security technologies, but it, it has to actually be driven by security. Um, it needs to support other aspects of your business. It needs to support dynamic change. Um, and it needs to allow for seamless expansion and integration into other areas of your business. And so I think that was, that, that's a key. Um, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of businesses struggle with that because they, they had to fill a need, they had to solve a problem quickly. And so they threw things at the wall to see what's you know, stuck. And I think now they're in this period of evaluation of, okay, that worked and it solved this problem, but it, it really didn't solve the underlying problem that I already had where things weren't talking together. My staffs were already, you know, overtaxed trying to fix these problems. And now you have, you know, 10X, you know, 20X alerts and, and things that are coming into your environment and you just don't have a way to, to, you know, to solve for that problem. And then the other one was the reason that you have five or 10X of uh, these alerts coming into the environment and especially prevalent in the space that I deal in is this uh, rapid expansion of cloud and digital e-commerce. I mean, it went tenfold overnight. Um, you know, businesses spinning up digital e-commerce um, storefronts and uh, going into multi-cloud strategy that they may have been dipping their toes in the water before, but now they had to go head forward, you know, head first. And uh, we already knew that a lot of um, technology implementations were put in with, with security being, you know, not in the forefront. They were definitely on the back burner. And that was definitely the case here. So now businesses are trying to wrap their head around, did I do this securely? Did I did I make the right partnerships here? Is this gonna hurt me in the future? And so they're having to take a step back and really evaluate what, what did I do? Who did I give my keys to? Have I put in the right technologies here? Um, you know, luckily there's a lot of good technology partners out there. Um, and so, you know, if this would have happened, you know, an event like this five years ago, I don't I don't know that businesses would have been positioned as well. 
um, you know, the, the, the way back from COVID-19 really began five years ago for a lot of businesses because they were already making heavy investments in, you know, uh, digital transformation in business resiliency in some of these things. So, um, a lot were a lot more companies were better positioned, um, to, to be resilient. But I think what they quickly learned was what they did was probably not enough. Were, were they better positioned than others? Absolutely. But, um, I, I, I think there's still a long road to go. And I think a lot of businesses have realized where their shortcomings were. Um, and, and they're really going to start to build in technologies that provide that efficiency and provide that security as an integrated, uh, you know, portion to their uh, technology investments as opposed to this piecemeal approach. And I think that's something, Peter, that I kind of wanted to ask you that just given this increased focus mm -hmm. on, uh, you know, businesses to ensure full network and security ROI, they can't afford to put in, you know, uh, pieces of the puzzle that don't talk together and it's really uh, causing, you know, a deficiency for them. How are organizations now rolling out technology or evaluating technology in a way that, that uh, you know, prevents that, prevents them from not gaining the, the proper security and networking ROI? Yeah, well, um, here at headquarters and the, and the product team, we're, we're seeing customers uh, engage us in all kinds of different areas of technology. And they're always looking for that good ROI and, and to make sure that as they deploy uh, their security, it's uh, I was talking to the, the left hand. So as you said, you know, getting that networking and security working together in an integrated fashion to have visibility across the attack surface, as well as being able to deliver that ROI. One of the things that we've seen uh, really take uh, take off is a, a big focus on authentication. So mm -hmm. as po people have moved out to um, work remotely, uh, everybody's connecting back in on VPN tunnels and some of the products uh, that we've seen not only a lot of inquiry on, but a lot of activity on have been those authentication products, especially around the concept of zero trust network access uh, because companies are recognizing that one, we have all these people coming in on tunnels that we need to understand and confirm that it's who they are. But two, we also have a lot of people who are coming in on all types of different different devices. And there might be all types of different devices on these home networks that now have access to corporate networks. So the ability to understand and control everything that's connecting to that network has become key. And that's where our solution on, on that has really gotten a lot of uh, attention and activity. Uh, it's uh, And it wasn't the first thing, you know, when, when COVID first hit, it was all about VPN tunnels and two-factor. Mm -hmm. Now it's about, wait, do I have the right controls in place? Like you were talking that you know, customers are now taking a step back and saying, did I put everything in place that I needed? Right. And a lot of them are thinking, oh, well, I better get some, uh, some more zero trust uh, capabilities into my security solution so I know exactly what's connecting to the network. Yeah, or semi-zero semi trust, right? Because it's zero trust, I, I think, again, Five years ago, probably wasn't possible without severely negative, negative, you know, business impact. But I think now it is. And, you know, another, you know, key factor than that is people are working different hours than they were before. So this user behavior analytics where you say, hey, I know that from you know seven to five or nine to five that these people are working and these are the things they're going to be doing. I've routinely found myself working at like 3 a.m. just because. I need something to do, right? And and uh, and there's a lot of businesses that are like that, that. That normal business hours have changed, and what was previously the baseline of, hey, this is this is a, a standard operating procedure for this this department. What's standard now? And so people have had to reevaluate their baselines um, and have some some dynamic security, right? Uh, and I think that's something that was kind of overlooked in the beginning. We're going to put in a VPN policy and stay with the same um, set of standards and guidelines that we had before. 
and that changed as as, as more people were working from home, their schedules changed. And I think, um, you know, businesses had to think a little differently to um, keep up with that. Absolutely. And those uh, cloud-based machine learning tools, those rules had to kick an overdrive, re-baseline what's normal in this new uh, shelter-in-place uh, work environment, and then, you know, adjust accordingly. Yeah, the, the other the other big change that we've seen, obviously, is um, with those, you know, you talked about the zero trust environments, you know, in FortiGuard Labs, we're seeing um, an even uh, larger increase in attacks of uh, IoT devices, embedded systems. A lot of these devices that are connected to, to home uh, networks, you know, you talked about when COVID starting, everything going to VPN and then a two-factor, but but really having visibility. So you talked about the solutions, having visibility on these home networks to those devices, i.e. what is the traffic, um, you know, uh, looking for the abnormal botnet, C2 beacons, these sorts of things. Um, these, these devices, they're, they're used as springboards. And it's, a, you know, typically when you talk about these home networks, there's no segmentation a lot of the times that happens. And these devices uh, that can be easily infected uh, without hardened security systems in the world of IoT. I mean, seven out of 10 of our top 10 attacks are IoT-related attacks. That's a problem, right? And if you don't have visibility on that, it leaves the door wide open to these devices that that are uh, connected to, to corporate networks uh, you know, through VPN. It actually leads and even if you, to a good point. Yeah. We've seen an increase in one of our teleworking solutions where um, for key individuals, uh, customers are actually deploying our small uh, firewalls directly into the, the mm -hmm. user's home, the employee's home, to create a little secure enclave. So you have the firewall there that's completely protected from the home network. You can have wireless on that. So you actually have the same type of um, wired and wireless connectivity you have in the office, but you've got the full protection of a corporate enterprise firewall with all those rules applied. And of course, managed remotely so the it team has taken care of it that that um, employee that executive whoever it is just gets to do their business as usual but now they've got the highest levels of protection explicitly because home networks are such a weak underbelly in this whole system if it's if you're not protecting yourself from that threat vector uh you are leaving yourself open yeah i think necessity breeds innovation but really really rapid uh, necessity breeds risk and so not only in home offices but we also saw this in some of the different operational models that businesses had to spin up you know in, in retail it was curbside or different satellite type locations where they had to make do with what they had so they used existing wireless networks that were maybe not designed to run business traffic maybe they were guests or something else um they but they had to pivot in it to keep business going right uh, and i think right now what they're finding is there's a better way to do that, uh, put a firewall in front of it or make sure that they have proper segmentation, um, you know, separate SSID, something. This is really going to shine a light on um, allowing businesses to adapt quickly and securely in the right way. It doesn't have to be arbitrarily or overly hard as long as you have some careful planning. And, and I think now businesses are going to be a lot more adept to being able to do that. It, it, if an event like this were to happen again, a lot of businesses have made a lot of learnings and they've they've reduced their you know technological gap or their their debt a lot of them overnight. You know the, the, this has increased um, the the amount of innovation by five years for some businesses. So there's a silver lining. It's hard to see that you know in front of all of this, but there has been some good that's come out of this, especially in removing some of that technical debt and just allowing businesses to see, hey, where were my gaps? And how do I fill them securely and efficiently the, the next time around or, or if something else happens? Mm -hmm. All right, guys, it's been great catching up and hearing how our customers and, and 
uh, how we've been seeing the threats evolve. Uh, we should uh, connect again in a little while and see how it's uh, gone even further. I don't think we're going to be out of this uh, next week. So uh, I look yeah, forward to our next like conversation. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're in this for the long run, I think. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Derek. Thanks. Take care.